Hello and welcome back to the Fine Fragrance Podcast. Today we have Gabe sharing again on holiness. How do we become holy and set apart? Let's jump right in. Legitimately, I do not, like my job is to find words for things that's hard to explain. That's what I get paid to do, right? And I could not, like finding words to explain that is ridiculous. And I think that I understood something new about God in the midst of this whole conversation about being a father. And I've, 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 when I, when, just before she was born, because I'm a communicator, um, I kind of just felt in my heart that I'm going to make a commitment to myself that I won't use her in any sermon illustration or anything for the first six months, and I'll just enjoy her. That she will not become a tool that's a part of my repertoire of things that I use for ministry. And it was actually really fun, because you want to use it because it so deeply impacts you. And then just to keep it in your heart the whole time. And I remember the first time I spoke about it, I cried so much, I had a hard time finishing the sermon. But um, it's such a joy. I would encourage some of you. Like me and Michelle, you guys don't know our story. We dated before we were saved. Then we got saved together, filled with the Spirit, baptized, kind of. My wife's a lawyer. She works in, yeah, she's amazing. She's a genius. Um, And she's a boss. So I would just encourage all of you, let that photo provoke you a little bit to live a holy life, right? That little human being there is the only thing that is eternal that I would ever co-create with God. Me and God and Michelle co-created that little thing together. And she is autonomous and she will make her own decisions, but that is just a vision that I wish some people explained better to me when I was your age, that life changes in the best way it's hard to explain it to you i'm a pretty driven person but the first time that she said like literally this morning let me tell you this morning i called her just before i went and spoke in raven ref and um, called michelle and her on video call praise god for video call and she sees me and she goes papa all right and literally starts crawling over right and she hits her head against the phone but because she can't hug me she just falls into me right and um, she starts, and she sat back and she realizes a screen and she had the keys in her hand. She throws the keys. She just started crying because she's like, I just, I want to hold you. I can't hold you. It messes you up. Right? So just think about how God feels when you wake up at 5 a.m. like you promised to have a quiet time. Just think about how his heart feels when he knows how tired you are, but you can't wait to be with him. That's what you do to his heart. And I have broken human love. I've tainted love. My love for her is imperfect. God's love for you is perfect. So imagine how he feels if you're halfway asleep, strolling to the prayer room, so tired. Can't wait to be with Jesus. And he's like, I can't wait. You came. Thank you. That's what you do to his heart. He's not the old, he's not the angry old man. Okay. So, everybody okay? We're having a good time together? Right, so, um, oh my goodness, Hannah, I don't want to show all your stuff to people. How do I get it out? Okay. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to show everybody's um, bank statements to everybody. There we go. There we go. There we go. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hannah, you don't have YouTube on your laptop. Oh my goodness. You don't have. <laughs> Hannah just rebuked me. <laughs> okay. 
I felt um, one of uh, one of my staff prayed for me, um, and she felt that I should play this today. And so I'm just following this along because I did speak to more than one person about this. Um, this is gonna mess you up, I warn you. But I felt to um, to go to start with this today, and I want you to listen to these words. Because I feel like there's something important on this for us. And we spoke about this as well. We're in. Yeah, yeah I'm not ready either. But uh, I want to pray for us. I, wanna sh I want you guys to listen to this. It's called The Vision. And it's this epic poem that was written about you. All right? Um, you're, you're the reason this poem exists. And um, I just feel like before we start today, today, all of m uh, Monday and Tuesday was build up for today. Right, and most of the staff here would go like, man, Gabe has never shared like this. It's kind of weird how much he's not been himself in the way that I've shared. But I felt it's because God actually wants to speak to you. Right, he didn't, I, I, it's not my job to serve what is my best sermons. It's my job to come and serve whatever will meet your heart because God wants to meet your heart. And um, so I, I, I do want to ask us today, um, a few of you, it's kind of funny, right? This is hilarious. Let me tell you how funny this is. I'm not insecure, so it's okay. Um, a few places, I'm not going to look where it is, right? There's one person crying and the other person is sleeping on their shoulder. <laughs> right? So I want to ask you a big favor, right? Not for my ego, but for your soul, right? If you're tired, go stand in the back. Honestly, like, I'm totally okay. I've, I've preached and people threw me of stuff. I've preached and people cussed at me. I'm totally okay with that. But I just I, I want to say this to you is that I feel today might change your life because I feel today will give language to stuff other people might not have had courage to say to you out loud. Okay, now I'm not from here so I can say stuff that other people might get in trouble for, right? I, I, that's usually why people call me. They're like, hey Gabe, we need people to say stuff that we get in trouble for. But I just feel like there's an opportunity and here's my heart and I want you to hear this. I never want to spank you. Like you get two types of straightforward people. You get straightforward people because they have an edge and they like to make you feel like an idiot and nobody likes that person. But then you get straightforward people that value the truth because I'm realizing that you're so valuable. If you don't hear this, it might destroy you. And I really hope that I come over as a second kind. My heart really is for all of you to meet God in a way that it touches you in a place that you want to live according to reality. That, that, that there's no fluff, there's nothing else, that there is a God in the universe who stepped into our reality, put on an earth suit, became flesh, and gave us a vision of what this could be like. And so many times there's like a, a, a notion from older people my age that your age of people do not like it straightforward. If you like it sugar-coated. Do you know what? I call nonsense. There's another word, but I'm not going to say it. Right? I, I don't think it's true. Do you know why? I studied philosophy. And I sat in rooms like this with hundreds of young people. Hundreds of young people. And everything we got taught was it's relative. It's relative. It's relative. And the resounding echo in your hearts was, can somebody bring me something concrete? And I remember I stood in a secular philosophy class and I said to my professor, mark my words, there's going to come a radical truth movement. 
that secular philosophy will not be able to stop the tide for because you have created the, the, the growing grounds. You've created the fruitful ground that your generation is freaking tired of fluff. You're tired of saying like you can be 79 genders. It's freaking possible. I have a brain. You can't be 79 genders. Right? And something in you like our, my generation might get fooled by that. But your generation is looking at the reality. And you're going like there's something deeply wrong with this. Can somebody tell me where is the line? Not because I want to touch it, but that I can have something to stand on. And I think that there should be a holy discontent in your heart. To go like, I will not be easily satisfied. I will not be easily pleased. I want to have the full truth. Take me 30 miles deep. Tell me what the Greek means. Tell me the Hebrew. Tell me the background history, the Greco-Roman world, how they understood it. I want to know all the truth. Don't give me a sermonette. Sermonettes make Christianettes. Small sermons make small Christians. And I think there's something of your heart. I can see it in your eyes when I'm talking. That's burning the deeper it goes. That's who you are. Don't let people tell you anything else. Don't let them tell you TikTok is the way that your brain works. It's not. It's the way your brain has been conditioned. But your spirit man is revolting against that lie. Because it doesn't get fed with one minute reels. Okay, great. Let's go. You guys ready? Let's have a great time. Okay. Holy Ghost, we love you. Put your hand on your heart. Say this with me. Holy Ghost, you're my best friend. Come be with me today. Amen. Let's listen to this. Put the music very loud, please. Thank you. What's the big idea? I open my mouth and words come out like this. The vision. The vision is Jesus. Obsessively, dangerously, undeniably, Jesus. The vision is an army of young people. You see bones, I see an army. And they are free from materialism. They laugh at nine to five little prisons. They could eat caviar on Monday and cross on Tuesday. They wouldn't even notice. They are mobile like the wind. They belong to the nations. They need no passport. People write their addresses in pencil and wonder at their strange existence. They are free, yet they are slaves of the hurting and dirty and dying. What's the vision? The vision is holiness that hurts the eyes. It makes children laugh and adults angry. It gave up the game of minimum integrity long ago to reach for the stars. It scorns the good and strains for the best. It is dangerously pure. Light flickers from every secret motive, every private conversation. It loves people away from their suicide leaps, their Satan games. This is an army that will lay down its life for the cause. A million times a day, its soldiers choose to lose that they might one day win the great well done of faithful sons and daughters. Such heroes are as radical on Monday morning as Sunday night. They do not need fame from names. Instead, they grin quietly upwards and hear the crowd chant again and again come on and this is the sound of the underground the whisper of history in the making 
Foundation shaking, revolutionaries dreaming once again. Mystery is scheming in whispers. Conspiracy is breathing. This is the sound of the underground and the army is disciplined. Young people who beat their bodies into submission. Every soldier would take a bullet for his comrade at arms. The tattoo on their back boasts for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Sacrifice fuels the fire of victory in their upward eyes. Winners, martyrs, who can stop them? Can homos hold them back? Can failure succeed? Can fear scare them or death kill them? And the generation prays like a dying man with groans beyond talking. With warrior cries so full of tears and with great barrel loads of laughter. Waiting, watching 24, 7, 3, 6, 5. Whatever it takes, they will give, breaking the rules, shaking mediocrity from its cozy little hide, laying down their rights and their precious little wrongs, laughing at labels, fasting essentials. The appetizers cannot mold them, Hollywood cannot hold them. Peer pressure is powerless to shake their resolve at late night parties before cockerel cries. They are incredibly cool, dangerously attractive inside, and on the outside, they hardly care. They wear clothes like costumes to communicate and celebrate, but never to hide. Would they surrender their image or their popularity? They would lay down their very lives, swap seats with the man on death row, guilty as hell, a throne from an electric chair with blood and sweat and many tears with sleepless nights and fruitless days. They pray as if it all depends on God and live as if it all depends on them. Their DNA chooses Jesus. He breathes out and they breathe in their subconscious sings. They had a blood transfusion with Jesus. Their words make demons scream in shopping centers. Don't you hear them coming? Herald the widows, summon the losers and the freaks. Here comes the frightened and the forgotten. With fire in their eyes, they walk tall and trees abroad. Skyscrapers bow, mountains are dwarfed by these children of another dimension. Their prayers summon the hounds of heaven and invoke the ancient dream of Eden and First time I heard that, whew, it cut me deep. Um, first time I heard it, I was literally in the bathroom, and it was like a YouTube playlist that I had on a thing played. I just started crying. I couldn't stop crying. I don't know why. So I looked it up, and I bought the book, and I sat and read the book through the night. I finished it, read it in one night. And then the next day, flew to Nepal, got introduced to Fire and Fragrance, and that's kind of like my story of how I got even a part of all of this. This thing had a big part of it. Just can you put this in the front too? Sorry. Thank you. And I just think that I, I, I wanted to play that today because of what we're going to talk about. I love that poem because it gives vision. Right? It gives vision for this army of young people 
Some people see dry bones, but we see an army. And I think that, that, that God sees you a specific way, right? He sees you infused with possibilities, right? This is the dream of heaven that every person, right? I love that summon the freaks and the forgotten, right? And then he goes on and he says, um, trees applaud them and mountains bow down to these children of another dimension, right? And what he's talking about is he's, he's talking from the Psalms when he calls Christians like these saints, they are the majestic ones, right? Us as children of God, as born again Christians, God calls us majestic ones. There's something in us that is beautiful. Remember the first day, the beauty of holiness. And I just feel like for, for you guys, for this next season in your life, compromise should become a cuss word. Not because you're proving something, but because you're becoming like someone. That in your life, identity is the place from which you live. Knowing you're made in the image of Christ to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is not like perform your salvation in fear and trembling. It is working out something that Christ has already put in. Right through the Spirit. What's half His name? Holy. So half your identity is to be holy. There's something about your life in holiness that is a non-negotiable. Now I want to ask you here, as we're here together, can somebody tell me how do you make yourself holy? Well, let me, let me rephrase. Remember, we all talk together, right? Can a Buddhist be holy? Who says yes? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I know half elbows. This is half elbows. This is not an opinion. Okay. Why do you say yes? Okay. Oh, you're the first person I've ever given the right answer. What's your name? Well freaking done. Cha-ching. You won. Good job. Okay, holy means set apart. A Buddhist can be holy. You can be holy onto masturbation. <clears throat> because you're set apart onto it. It means to be set on something. You can be set on your clothes. You can be holy onto your clothing. You can be holy onto your boyfriend. You can be holy onto anything. Holiness is not a catchphrase. Holiness is a position of your heart. And to be a holy people means that we are set apart unto God. And for us to understand what it means to live holy, we need to understand that we have a propensity as, 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 as human beings... We have a propensity to idolize things. And the more we're aware that we have this desire to idolize things, the more we can ask the Spirit and lean on Him to say, can you move me to become the thing that you have implanted in me when I became born again? There's something that of a reliance on God and a zeal to perform the will of Him that made you that allows you to live a life that is set apart unto God. The reality is you'll become like the thing you worship. The thing you worship is the thing you love the most. Human beings are lovers way before we're thinkers. 
Who here has ever read a, a, a fitness magazine and the next morning you're totally convinced that that article about how you should eat is true? You're convinced, right? Who woke up without a six-pack even though you read it? Right? What does that mean? It means because you understood it doesn't mean you became it. Okay? Who here has ever fallen in love with something and then you became like the thing you fell in love with? Have you seen, like, I, I see this a lot. This is actually very sad, but it's true. I'm going to use this example. A lot of times there's like a girl. A lot, it sometimes happens in DTS. So if you're that girl, um, please stop being that girl now, okay? <laughs> She's like a really, really, really good Christian girl. And then there's like a guy in DTS. It's kind of like a bad boy, right? That kind of like plays hard to get. And because she really wants acceptance, right? She starts hanging out with this guy. Right? Yes, it's gross. It's so ugly. Right? None of you would ever do that. Right? And then all of a sudden, her clothing changes. Right? All of a sudden, like, how she talks changes. And she used to be so open to sharing her heart. All of a sudden, she becomes reserved and a little bit darker because he's like the mysterious one. And she takes on the image of her love. Has anybody ever seen that? Can I just see a hand? Oh, Wow. Wow, so it is true you become like the thing you love. Right, and it's so important. Like, I want to tell you this. This might be a bit of spanking, so hold on, okay? If you do not have enough self-control here for six months to withhold yourself from attention from men and women, girl in this room, I'm telling you right now, if that guy cannot leave you alone now, he will not leave alone other women when you're together. If he is willing to flirt with you now and so disregard your consecration season unto God, he does not respect you and he lives for himself. And some of you men here legitimately should check yourself and stop grooming some of these girls to give you what you want. I want to, can, can I ask, can I ask a real question? Who of you girls here? had a guy in this school follow you and like multiple of your photos. Can I say, give me a hand. You don't have to say who, just tell me it happened. Raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Do you know, eleven, do you know what I would love for you girls to do? I would actually like all of you to come together and see if it's the same guy. Do you know why I get this response? Because you all freaking hate that. And I bet you some guys are deeply nervous right now. If you're the guy I'm talking about, I would encourage you to go to your small group leader and tell them you made a mistake and you want to ask... No, no, listen, it's not a joke, I'm serious. If you're that guy, you need to go to your small group leader today, tell them you made a mistake. I want you to go to every single one of those girls and ask them for forgiveness. That's what a real man would do. Okay? There's not grooming grounds here. 
It's not how this works. That's why the staff said I've not been myself lately. Do you know what we did in the leadership track? I had all of the staff line up, guys and girls across from each other. I had them exchange their phones and said, hey, go on their Instagram page and tell us what do you think they value the most? Themselves, their bodies, or Jesus? Okay. And then I told them, okay, you have their phone. And then I said, okay, don't worry. You don't have to do it. Give your phone back. If there's any photo on there that your heart was nervous about, delete it right now. Why is it on there? Do you remember that? People got so freaking nervous. Why is it on there if you don't want somebody to judge it? That's so weird for me. And all of us agree. Like there's nobody in this room that goes like, I disagree. We all agree because it's freaking logical. One plus one equals two. You're not wearing a ton of clothes on social media. It's strange. Why do you want me to see that? Right? You know like a, a somebody that wants to get married to you doesn't look at your body in that way and go like, man, I hope she's the mother of my child. Do you know what's the worst part, right? And I, I picked on the girls, so now I have to pick on the guys. Uh, on the guys, so I have to pick on the girls. This photo, on the, beach. the beach photo, was like, hashtag, God loves me. <laughs> then there's like a Bible verse, and it's cleavage, the whole universe. And it's like, do you want me to think about your boobs or Jesus? <laughs> like, we, which one of them do you want? It's just, it's confusing. And then you wonder why that guy follows you and likes all your photos. And then you call yourself a victim. That, that, that's, that's not victimhood. That's like signaling, I want something. Can you come and give it to me? Can I ask a question? On either the guy's side of this argument or the girl's side of this argument, who here has been guilty of that? Can you raise your hands? Hi. I can raise my hands. Wanting the attention or just liking and hoping I get a response from something. Come on, there's somebody that has to raise their hands. See? Okay, look around the room. I want to ask us, can we freaking wage war against this? Right? This is so like God made you to be holy. He made you to carry the beauty of holiness so that the inside of your life, that the burning in your eyes provokes people to love God and not just love your body. That there's not a mysteriousness. Can I manipulate you and play some hard to get game so that your heart can come after me and I don't have to give you attention? It's freaking gross. God made you for wholehearted love to burn for Him. And if you find a man or a woman does the same thing, guys, it's explosive. Do you know how fun it is to be married? Oh, goodness. My wife is amazing. I love being married. Right? She provokes me to godliness. Right? I want to have more quiet times when I'm around her. I remember we hiked in the Amazon. She had a big backpack. 
right? It was crazy. She had like leeches all over her legs. Like we're seeing like people in the tribes come to the Lord. And I looked at her and I'm seeing her praying in tongues while she's hiking through the forest, right? And I see grown men complaining and Michelle is like, shut up, walking, right? And she's like burning on the inside. And I, there was a big log. We sat down. I said, you're my wife. When can I get married to you? It was not because she signaled attraction to me. It's because she loved God. I was like, man, that woman, I'll die for her. I'll freaking jump in front of a car. I'll do anything she wants for me. Men love that. There's a strength that men love. And it's an internal beauty. Peter speaks about it. And so many times when you, when you hear that verse about like all the stuff with don't adorn yourself with external things. We think he is a meaning, oh, you can't wear makeup. That, nobody cares about freaking makeup. It talk, it, it, it's about what I'm talking about right now. It's you're projecting something on the outside to manipulate love. And he's saying, no, let your internal beauty provoke a man to love. Do you know how attractive that is? Man, do you know what I love sometimes? Michelle wakes up. I can't sleep through her feeding at night. I wish I could. Goodness, some of my friends can sleep through their children waking up. I, I can. But sometimes, like, I see Michelle wake up and she's breastfeeding Anastasia. And she's, like, walking in the room because she's struggling to sleep the little one. And I can hear my wife praying. And she's not doing it because any other reason, but because she loves God at 2 a.m. Nobody is looking. That is the beauty of holiness. Man, there's something in that that makes my heart freak out way more than lingerie way more than anything external michelle can project towards me and my desire for you guys is to grip and be gripped with the beauty of holiness that you ladies here would stand in front of the mirror and go like man i hope my love for god radiates more than what i'm wearing right now Does that mean you shouldn't wear nice clothes? No, I spoke to your staff about wearing proper clothing. Right? Was, it wasn't about, it was just look nice, look acceptable. Like, please, God gave you clothes for a reason. We're not going to be naked in heaven. All right? There's clothing in heaven. Did you read Revelation? It's going to be there. Don't worry about it. But I think that what I'm trying to just go after in this conversation is that holiness has perks to it. There's perks to holiness. Because the, the thing that you are holy towards dictates the rest of your love. And if I'm holy to God, He dictates how I love you. He also dictates how I love Michelle and how I love anybody else around me. And everything else is not good or strong enough to dictate that adequately in alignment with reality. And if you want to be that person we spoke about, that is kalos. It's if you're wholly set on God. He makes you beautiful. Okay, so all of that was prepping. Let's go to Second Peter 1. I'm going to go to Second Peter 1. I'm gonna, we're going to go three Bible verses the rest of the day. And we're going to go deep. Is that good? I, on, I, let me say this. I'm honestly not trying to step on people's toes. 
I'm trying to create an atmosphere where the truth is more valued than corporate comfort. Right? I honestly, I'm not trying to spank you. I'm more trying to, to rip open the band-aid and for the room to go, <gasps> wow, that feels good. We all know, wow, that feels so wonderful. I can breathe. And I promise you, if you guys as a school, as a community here, embrace that love for truth, Corey Russell next week and Shannon is going to be a freaking nuke. Right? And whoever comes after, it's going to be crazy. Because what will radiate in the room is we're after God. Please just take us there. Right? We're running. Corey, I hope you can keep up. We're running. Shannon, I hope you can keep up. We're going towards him. Right? But it, 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 the, in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Throw off the weights and the sins that entangle and run with perseverance. I'm trying to rip these things off so you can run with perseverance. Right? Different versions of the Bible, one of them says to run with patience. How do you run with patience? Right? Who here was a sprinter in school? Can I see your raise of hands? Okay, a few of you. Okay? How do you run the fastest? Relaxed. You don't run fast, clinched. Right? When I used to do track, they give you like um, clay and you have to hold it in your hand. And when you're done with the race, it should still be in the normal form. Because the patience is an internal position. And that's what makes you run fast. And so what I'm doing and I'm trying to do is I'm trying to rip off the weights and the, and, and the chains that make you always be like this. You can't run fast if you're tense the whole time because there's shame and I'm hiding because I don't hope people see that I'm broken. Guys, we're all broken. The more you release that thing, the more there's the ability to run after God. And you're not confronted by your brokenness. It compels you to deeper love for Jesus. Okay. Second Peter 1. I'm going to read one verse or one section. And I'm going to explain it. His divine power has given us everything we need for, for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So through them, you must participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Guys, if you want to meditate on any piece of scripture for the next four months, take this. His divine power. Say His. Okay, whose divine power? Okay, so it's not your divine power. Okay, are you sure? Okay, so His divine power has given us what? Everything. Say everything. everything. Say it like you mean it. Everything. His power gave us everything not some things not most things not kind of what you need in a bad day his divine power can somebody tell me how much divine power does the divine being have how much infinite he is infinite infinite divine power and he says that power has given who us Say me. It's given me what? Everything. Everything to do what? We need for a godly life. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So you and me have no excuse. The one that has infinite power 
has given me and you everything to live godly. To have the beauty of holiness. He's like saying, hey, here's a key. And it opens up a vault saying the beauty of holiness. And there is gowns and there is clothing. And there is like a makeover station. And there is every single thing you would ever need if you walk in there to clothe you and empower you to live a life of godliness. Everything is in there. He goes on and he explains and he says, how do we get it? Through our knowledge of Him. Do you know what opens the key? Intimacy. The key to the vault of everything is love. How does Anastasia know how to be human? She looks at other humans. Do you remember I said the other day? She wakes up and she looks at me. And she laughs because she mimics the face looking at her. That's what this means. Through the knowledge of Him, He shows us. And as I get to know Him, I start revealing to the world the one that I get to know. We are things that get imprinted on. I become like what I behold. I cannot help it and you cannot help it. Some of your faces in worship shows that you're looking at somebody else. You, I'm sorry, right? Because he doesn't look that angry. Right? He, he, he's pretty happy. Right? You know there's nobody with more joy than God. Nobody. Nobody is happier than he is. Do you know why? Like, what's it on the island nobody can go to? What is it called? Miha? Right? Is that right? Think about that island. Think about the amazing surf breaks that's there that nobody has seen. You know, he enjoys them. Think about the most beautiful, beautiful nature in the summer in northern Alaska where no human being has ever been. He enjoys it. Think about the little acts of kindness in slum in New Delhi that a little orphan boy gives his friend a part of his last piece of bread. Every beautiful thing he beholds. He is a joyful God. Now there is the other side of that coin. That every one of the painful things he beholds as well. But God's beauty is they can hold these things in tension. And he can have them. So in the knowledge of him, we have everything for life and godliness. Then it goes on. And all of this is pretty cool, but none of this is impressive yet. Okay, it gets to the impressive part. Verse 4. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate, listen to this, in the divine nature. Have any of you ever thought what that means? That God, through His very great and precious promises, gave you the ability to participate in his divine nature. Your nature is who you are that you cannot change. And God says, 
here's me, I give it to you. You can participate. You know, like, what is the definition of grace? Anybody know? Somebody give me a definition of grace. Gift you don't deserve? Unmerited favor? That we can be holy like he is? Undeserved, unlimited favor? All of you are kind of right. Okay? I would say that this piece of scripture here is the best definition of grace. Is that you partake in the divine nature. The best biblical definition of grace is that I get caught up into the fellowship of the Trinity and they impart their very life to my life. That for some reason the divine exchange took away Gabriel's messed upness and gave God's goodness and said, hey buddy, this is what I give to you. Where do I get that? Ephesians 1 verse 14. The spirit is the down payment. Right, let me go there quickly. I'm going to read this just because I, I need to land this well. Everybody okay? Okay. <clears throat> Ephesians. In him we are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works all things in conformity with the purpose of his will. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, and then verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, listen to this. You were marked in Him with a seal. Say seal. seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So when you get born again, what happened was, verse 13, you get marked with a? You get marked with a? Seal. The Greek word for that seal is the word erebo. Right, this means a down payment of something that was already purchased. Right, so if I lived in um, in the time in the and the in the time that Jesus was in the time that the apostles wrote the New Testament, and I wanted to buy a piece of land, what happened was for me to be able to understand what I bought. Right, that guy, I didn't have social media or a picture that I could see. They brought me like this big. Um, amount they, they let's let's say they bought me a vase of wine this is wine that came from this land taste how good it is this is a, a bunch of grapes look how nice they are how else do you remember the slaves that came from the promised land they brought what they brought the spoils the proof of the inheritance so here it says that the holy spirit is the seal the arable the proof of eternity on the inside the Spirit of God is that living proof of what is bought for you in eternity. And the reason this is important is because what matters there is that we have union with God and we get to live without the fullness of this world. The Spirit in us proves that which is to come. Now, I know last week was Holy Spirit week and Amy talked about the gifts, etc., etc. But we need to understand that the Spirit is the greatest gift that God could have given us. Jesus says, better that I would go, that He would come. Why? Because the Holy Spirit taking residence on the insides, primary role is to introduce the knowledge of the Son and the Father to my broken being. And that I can be made into the image of the Son, working out my salvation. 
in intimacy and knowing Him, something gets worked out in me that I would know what does it mean to be like Jesus. There's something about the Spirit that gives me participation in the very nature of God. This is mind-blowing. How could Gabriel be so changed that I don't just don't want to sin, I don't even like the taste of sin. Holiness is not that you don't want to sin, it's that your taste buds have been changed. My cravings change, not just my actions. It's not enough for salvation for me not to want to snort coke, is I don't crave coke anymore. I crave my Bible. I crave prayer. I crave worship. I wake up in the mornings and I can't wait to go to my prayer closet. Why? Because the spirit on the inside has so transformed my inner world, my inner man, that my desire and my hunger is after God himself. That is the fruit of holiness. You're not meant to only be free from willful sin when you die. Then Jesus didn't save you, but death did. I believe you can live without choosing sin. I don't think you can live without ignorance. I, can't th I don't think you can live without immaturity. You'll make stupid mistakes. But I don't think you ever have to live to choose sin when you're saved. Do you know why I say that? Because why would God tell you to live holy and it's not possible? That's rude and it's cruel. Why would God punish humanity for something humanity cannot do? Now, I cannot do it without God. You're 100% right. But with Him, there has to be a way that I can get free from choosing sin. Now, I've had college professors argue with me about this fact. And you know what I asked them? I asked them, have you ever been a heroin addict? And they say no. I say, because if you sell your gospel to a heroin addict, they will say no. Because a gospel that cannot make you say no to things that will kill you is not worth following. If Jesus cannot make you say no to cut yourself again, to hate yourself more, is he even worth following? And I will tell you in this conversation on holiness, I am more convinced than anything else that God came in the flesh, died on the cross, was raised on the third day, and sent His Spirit so you can overcome choosing sin. Some of you, I told you this the first day, so afraid to be alone. Because I just don't want to fall again. I just, I just, I, I, can't, I can't be alone. I don't want to fall again. And I'm telling you right now that if you get what First Peter is saying, it is telling you that God Himself took residence on the inside. And He will move you through the power of His might to say no to click on that thing. To say no to text that person. To say no to what you see in the mirror. And go like, I think it's ugly, but something in me is rumbling and screaming, you're beautiful. I, 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 I'm struggling to want to believe it. But something in me is stirring to say, whatever this voice is telling me I'm looking at, I think it's not true. I hear a whisper deep in me saying, I love you. I love you. We need more faith 
in God's ability and His desire to completely transform us than we have in our past ability to keep us in bondage. This is what the scripture is talking about. This will make you so dangerous. It will make you dangerous. Because you know what happens if somebody brings sin in front of me now? It's foolish. It's foolish. Song of Psalm 8.6. Right? You all know the verse. Have you guys some, somebody talked about it? Song of Psalms 8.6. <sighs> Tell Shannon to talk about it next week, will you? Okay. Or maybe Corey. I think Corey will crush that. Yeah. Tell Corey to talk about it. Okay, but I'm going to give you one part of that verse. <clears throat> it talks about put love as a seal on your heart, love as a seal on your arm. You, you've read that? Right? Many waters cannot quench this love. It burns like the very flame of Yah. Burns like the fire of God in his heart. Right? Love burns. Can you tell me how much water can extinguish the flame of God? You can throw all of the water in eternity on it. Nothing will ever happen. Okay? It will evaporate. And then it says, one will come, and if you would offer me the wealth of the world, I will be ashamed. Now, what the heck does that mean? Right? So let me tell you what that means, and then we'll take a break. What that means is that imagine Gabriel <coughs> drives in that Lamborghini SUV. You guys have seen the Lamborghini SUVs? They're pretty nice. What do you call them? Yours? Guys, you should see that thing. It is Nice. And for some reason, I'm driving in the middle of the Amazon with this thing. And there's like a, 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 an undiscovered tribe that speaks English. And um, for some reason, I find them. And me and the chief are hanging out. And he sees my Lambo. And he goes, Gabe, I love your Lambo. I was like, thanks, chief. This is a nice place you have here. It's like, can I buy your Lambo from you? And I go like, well, chief, it costs X amount of money. And he's like, well, here's what I'll do. I'll give you way more than that amount of money. What I'll do is you can get my royal hunting bow. The one who has this bow can hunt in the part of the forest that only the king can hunt. This is way more than the millions you paid for it. What do you think? I go, oh, chief, like, I don't know. He's like, wait, 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 before you say no. You can get my royal cup. And with this cup, you can drink from the sacred river. Only the king can drink. And I was like, well, okay. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll give you my crown of feathers. If you wear this, this whole tribe knows that you're royalty. And I will look at the king and I will be ashamed. Because the king does not understand the value of the Lamborghini in comparison to his wooden bow. In comparison to water I can get out of a tap. In comparison to the identity I have as a stridom, as a part of a family that does not need to be recognized by his tribe. In the same way when Song of Solomon talks about the love of the Father and how anything that comes in comparison to love, I will be ashamed. What it is saying is, if you know the love that has taken residence on the inside and sin comes and says, hey, would you sleep around again? I will be ashamed. Because how do you think so little of you? 
that you think I will give up the sacredness of this love. You don't know what I got. God has taken residence. I will never come against anything that will touch that. I feel ashamed for the lack of understanding you have. I can't even explain it to you. Because you need to taste it to know how good it is. That is the beauty of holiness. Imagine 10,000 Gen Zers in their early 20s walking on college campuses thinking like this. Whoo! You can't buy me. You can't move me. I know who I am. Can I tell you something? This is not radical. This is normal. This is not what God has called you to be radical. It's normal. It's normal to be so in love with God that every other thing falls short. And God has called us to be participating in the divine nature. This is what it means. That's why Jesus can stand before a king and go like, you have nothing on me. I can snap my fingers and his 12 legions. But you know what? I will give up my life. I will be humiliated because I know the love that carries me is more than what the world has to offer. Guys, this is the gospel. And this whole week, I try to set you up so you can take some of the meat of what I'm talking about to understand the breath of holiness has nothing to do with your actions primarily as much as to do as what God has done to you. God has done something to you. That's why it says His promise. It's not your promise. He imparted something in you. What's your name? Lorenzo. God imparted something in you. Something possessed you. I'm possessed by something other earthly. It's from another universe. It's from another reality. And it took residence on the inside. And it changes you over years. You become otherworldly. Love starts leaking out. You can't help it. I remember I was saved four or five months and I watched Tears of the Sun as was used to be one of my favorite war movies. And I literally had to walk out of the movie. I watched Hacksaw Ridge and I walked out. I watched it here. I couldn't watch it. It was too gruesome. It's a great movie. But like I was like sitting there and I, I, I literally walked out. I was like, I can't watch it. Like I'm not a softie. But my inner man couldn't see people be destroyed like that and be okay. Something in me was grieved because it values the thing that God values. This is what holiness is about. I want to say a last thing and then we're going to take a break. Is that as Peter writes here and he, and he says that we have these very great promises that were given to us. You need to understand. You could not do this to you. Say, I cannot do this to me. You could not climb into heaven and grab the Spirit of God and get Him in a headlock and go like, I'm going to wrestle you <clears throat> to the ground and push you into me. That doesn't work like that. God died, got raised, and sent the Spirit. 
You know, until the 16th century, the word missions was not about missions. This is a fun one. I read this on the plane on the way here. The word missions came of the activity between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And how the Father gave the Son, and the Father and the Son sent the Spirit. Their collective interworking of the love relationship in the Trinity was where the word mission comes from. And so you need to understand when I'm talking about this in holiness and partaking in the divine nature, God's mission has always been to take residence on the inside. And to in His mission include us to be a part of that mission to see the beauty of His reality break into all the earth. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. It's not gold dust falling in a worship meeting. Although that's cool. But it is the beauty of holiness manifesting in every sphere of society. Because God through His mission has taken residence on the inside. And we're being made into His image. And all of a sudden our economy looks like heaven. All of a sudden poverty gets handled like it does in heaven. All of a sudden racism gets handled on earth as it does in heaven. Why? Because us human beings have been transformed from the inside to become like Him. Who knows you could not do that to yourself? It's very important to understand that God did that to you. Put your hand on your heart. Lord, we love you. Help us. Help us to see the greatness of the gift you gave us through the Spirit. And Lord, as we listen to this vision poem, help us to see ourselves as that army who you have chosen in this age to represent you rightly in jesus name amen amen okay guys it is 1105 let's be back here 1125 seated ready to go and we're gonna now go to the fun part okay so hannah can i get two staff to stand at the entrance just stop them don't show them away This is a really good exercise because it lasted a whole one day. Great job. You're going to change the world. I want you guys to feel that. I'm kind of spicy on purpose. Okay, I'm not ignorantly spicy. <clears throat> but here's, here, here's why I'm doing this. It's because there's a corporate agreement on something we all say we value, right? Until I don't. And then stuff that. I'm a free human. I'll do my own thing. I want to encourage you deeply. Hear me. I want to, I want to so, I'm trying to help you. And every one of the people sitting on the sides, there's, there's a few wise people here on the back sides. It's older than most of you. Family and people visiting. Every single one of them would go, heck yes. If you're going to be late, it, it shows something of a disrespect towards others. And, and I want to, again, like let's say your nose bled because it's hot. Nobody's going to be upset when you, that happens. It's fine. The lady's bathroom line is four trillion miles long. It's, hey, there was three guys late. Okay, but that's why I didn't give you 10 minutes. I gave you 15 minutes.
right? And you can go pretty much anywhere on campus and back in 15 minutes. You can go to your room and back in 15 minutes. Okay, so I'm just saying, like, we, I, I, nobody in the world of discipline, whenever you're, um, you can come in, don't worry. Everybody can come in. You can let everybody in. I did it on purpose. In the world of discipline, whenever somebody is unnecessarily harsh without exp explanation, you lose people's hearts. But if we say we agree on a point and there's no repercussions for you dishonoring what we agreed on, we say we dishonor each other. And we can't do it. There needs to be corporate agreement that if we said we're doing X and somebody does not do it, we are not okay with it. Your school leaders do not have to enforce it. Does anybody agree with me or, is it, or do I speak a different language right now? Okay, praise God. I was almost concerned for a moment. Whew, my heart. Right? It doesn't take authority to enforce agreement. Do you know what type of government you get if that's how people think? Authoritarian governments. Do you know why the United States is the most flourishing country in the world for the last hundred years? Because their people could govern themselves the most. The moment your self-government lowers, your authority increases. And oppression always increases. You don't want leaders to govern you like this. But they have to if you can't govern you. Because I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you grown-up things now. Okay, I'm giving you grown-up 101. Right? But I promise you, if, if, you would, if we would end today, let's end the week. And you go to every older person here. No, we're not going to end. Don't worry. <laughs> if we go to every older person here and go like ask them, Hey, um, how important is discipline? Every single one of them will tell you, Guys, this will make or break you. But sometimes we just go like, ah, oh, it's okay, it's not that important. No, 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 those little things, 10,000 of those little things make a big thing. I love you, okay? I'm really not trying to be a jerk. But I, I, some of these moments is good to kind of shock you a little bit. Like, goodness, did he just do that? All of you went like, I could see your face. You're like, is he going to tell people to go? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Remember the first time I did it here in Kona, you remember that? You know what's happened though? I've been late once at a prayer room and I made the rule and I sat outside. Because I can't break it either. Otherwise the rule does not count. There has to be a deep level of respect of what we have agreed upon. Who agreed upon it? Who agreed upon it? We agreed upon it. That's why culture eats vision for breakfast. Because culture is our collective agreement. It's not one person's voice pushing in a direction. Everybody okay? Okay. Let's go our last round. <clears throat> Whew. Hallelujah.
Okay, so we, we, 2 Peter 1, we spoke about how God gave us something that's His, that's not ours. Hallelujah, it's His and not ours. And then He, he invited us into that holy and divine nature, right? And I explained to you what it meant and the very fact that God has taken residence on the inside and our holiness is not just changing your actions, but changing your taste, right? Some of you should be really happy. Who here is tired of being tempted? Right? So you remember I told you guys, um, I think it was two days ago, that I used to have all these horrible dreams about drugs before, just after I got saved. You remember that? Right? So I, this is the dream. Every single night for about six months after I got saved, there's the same girl with no clothes on, with a silver plate full of all my favorite drugs that would knock on a door in my house and come with it, come with the plate. And for about six months, I did it. Right? And about six months after I, I'm saved, one night she comes and she knocks on the door, the same dream I had multiple times a week. And um, I would wake up crying usually because I just thought I messed up my life again. <clears throat> and she comes to me and she knocks on the door and I open up and she has this plate in front of her. And I looked at her and say, I don't want this. I've chosen Jesus. And I closed the door and I woke myself laughing. Right? And God said to me, Gabe, I will change you that even your subconscious will choose me. Right? I didn't do that. God did that to me. And I want to tell some of you, some of you should get hope and faith that even your subconsciousness will choose him. That in your dream world, you'll say, I don't want that. I'm sorry. I've chosen something else. There is a greater plane. There's a greater reality of holiness that is attainable if you actually understand that you can have it. So, until now, most of this action has been God's side, right? Most of it has been His work. Now, something very interesting happens in verse 5. It goes from His divine power the knowledge of him through these he gave us his promise you must participate in his nature his 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 god did that to you and in verse 5 it changes and it says for this very reason say this very reason, this very reason. make Every effort. Uh-oh. Make what? Effort. What effort? Every. What does every mean? Every single freaking thing. Make every effort. And so many times when we hear about grace and what Jesus has done, you're free from your sin. What I spoke about yesterday is no shame. Da, 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 da. What we hear is I can keep on doing the wrong thing and wish myself into holiness. And the reality is you have been justified. Have you guys heard that, that word? Justified is the finished work of the cross. I am in my position before the throne as righteous and holy as Jesus Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Like the father sees the perfection of the son because of the work that Jesus did. I am so stoked out of my brain. He did that. Yeah. 
Because now I can boldly approach the throne of grace in my time of need and obtain mercy and grace. That is a happy story. But who knows that you had Monday night ministry night, got touched by some angel singing, right? It was beautiful. And you woke up on Tuesday morning and bumped your toe and it was hard. Who, did anybody have that ever happen? Oh, wow. You're a group of saints here. I should just call you Saint DTS, right? Did somebody else have that, right? You had an amazing encounter, Holy Spirit week, and then you wake up and you go like, oh, goodness. I know God did something, but where did it go? Has anybody had that? Okay, great. Sorry. I just want to make sure I'm in the right room. Right? I might have died and gone to heaven, right? Because perfect people are here. But that's just the reality, right? So I am justified, which means in my position, I'm holy and righteous, set apart unto God by the blood of Jesus. But that is, I have been made holy. But then the Bible also says, I am being made holy. That is sanctification. It is this process by the Spirit in cooperation with Gabriel's will that I'm being made into the image of the Son that I have in position already before the Father. That is me bumping my toe and last week something slipped out and this week my hand goes. Hallelujah. That is sanctification. Sanctification is last week I woke up and I was so tired and I was in a bad mood to go to the prayer room. And I decided I'm not going to look at Jesus in a bad mood. So I'm walking to the prayer room and I'm reminding myself that I'm going to have a great mood when I step into that secret place with Him. Right? And I'm working my will according to the work of the Spirit in me. And I'm sitting there and it might seem foolish for everybody else. But between me and Jesus, when I sat on that chair, even if it's a fake smile, I put on a fake smile to go like, God, I want to meet you in joy. That is not religiosity. That is participating through the power of the Spirit for God to make you into the image of the one that He has already placed in you through the Spirit. That is working out your salvation. Nothing is worked into you. It's worked out of you. You already contain the fullness of the deity. You have it in you. It's worked out when your will submits to His and His participation between the two. That is sanctification. Now one day, say hallelujah. hallelujah. We're going to have glorification. Who's excited for glorification? I am. Right, that is, that is this cry, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. In a flash of an eye, everything will be different. Whew, I can't wait. I cannot wait. There's family members I want to see again. And I want to speak to John Wesley. I want to hear what it was when his heart was strangely warmed within him. I want to see David and ask him, Dave, how was it? How was it when you wrote Psalm 27? I can't wait for that moment when this earthen vessel, this thing is glorified to be the tent that will be forever before Him. But that is not now. I have a hope to be fully made holy. But right now there's a process. And this process is an interaction between the finished work and Gabriel's will, ability to make every effort. And so many times 
we either err on one or two sides. We either sit and go like, well, the work is done. I'm perfect. Or we jump on the other side and we work, 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 work and think you can make yourself acceptable to God. That is not how this game works. It is the revelation of what He has done to you that enables you to make every effort. If you do not know what God has done to you, you will never allow Him to do it through you. You will always work for love and not from love. There's something about the cross that should be so deep in you that it moves you. This morning I spoke to Reverend Rev and I told him, lovers always outwork workers. I don't care how hard you can work. A person in love will leave you in dust. The one who loves Jesus radically don't care about sleep. They don't care about food. They will leave you behind. I've seen guys be in love with girls and do dumb stuff. I've done dumb stuff. I've done dumb things for my wife. So, this verse 5 here gives us... Can you open this up for me? This verse 5 here gives us a blueprint onto holiness. Thanks, brother. And it says, For this very reason make every effort to add to your faith say faith so faith was what we, i just spoke about as you have the confidence that god did everything so he says you have faith but now what do you do you add to it what do you add to your faith goodness what is goodness another word for goodness some different translations says virtue what this word it means it's a love that is not aimed towards you. So add to your faith a love that points towards others. So think about a Christian. One of the first ways that I can see if a young person through DTS is really being touched by God is how other focused they become. They start packing away other people's dishes. Their friends are late and they know they're going to miss their quiet time. They've seen them put off their snooze button four times and not sarcastically nice. They go like, hey, can I hear some coffee? I made you coffee. Time for quiet time. They become other focused. There's goodness. They're making effort. It doesn't. It happened. They're, they're consciously thinking, how do I love my neighbor? Becomes conscious thought. And then they add to goodness knowledge. What does that mean? They study the word. They're growing in their knowledge. They're growing in their awareness. And this is how I explain it. Now I've grown in faith. I know what God has done. I'm forgiven. And I'm realizing, man, I want to love, I want to love Julia better as somebody that works with me. Julia is our media director. I want her to know that I care. And she is not just somebody that produces good content. She's an individual. So I'm thinking to myself, man, how do I love her and David, her husband, well? Right? And I'm realizing, okay, do it by this and this and this way. And I start doing it and all of a sudden, something in me struggles because it costs me something. And I acknowledge and I grow in the knowledge of my lack of love. And my self-awareness, that knowledge I grow in, leads to something else. And what's that? Knowledge leads to self-control. 
So I grow in the knowledge of my selfishness to point love towards her and David. And all of a sudden, I acknowledge that there's an area of my life where I need self-control for my own self-interest. And then that self-control that I need to love her and David better, then leads to what? Perseverance. And that perseverance leads to godliness. And that godliness leads to brotherly affection. Now I can love them well. And if we do these things in increasing measure, we will be fruitful for the day when Jesus comes. These things that they tell us to make every effort in, they are not just good ideas. What it is, is God is giving you a blueprint. You, I'm not just telling you become holy. There's things you can actually make effort to grow in. You can make effort in growing in your knowledge. But some of you are so knowledgeable, but you're not very lovable. And then your knowledge means nothing. Nobody likes a smart person as a jerk. And a loving person that knows nothing is not very useful. God doesn't allow you to live in the balance of nothing. He encourages us to live a life of fullness. Where we can be all things to all men so some might get saved. But I love this in verse 9. It goes on. I'm going to read 8 and then go on. It says, but if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, say increase. Do you see that God never allows you to stay at the same place? If you possess these in increasing measure, <clears throat> they will keep you from being ineffective. Say ineffective. And unproductive. Say un unproductive. In your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you remember when we talked about the beauty of holiness, kalos? Do you remember that? What does it mean to be just a Christian? It gave you here the blueprint of how to become that. It says your knowledge of Him, to be fruitful in your knowledge of Him. Add these things through every effort to your life. And keep growing in them. Because someday you're going to feel like you're the most loving person in the universe. And the next day you're going to be equally as loving. But you're going to realize that there's actually way more that I could do than I ever thought I could. And then you turn back to Him and say, God, show me. Teach me. How do I do this? How do I make every effort? And verse 9 is the crux of this whole part that you need to get. But whoever, say whoever, whoever. does not have them is nearsighted and blind. Say blind. blind. Listen to this now. This is so important. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Where did this start? God gave you everything. So make every effort. If you're struggling to make every effort, you clearly have forgotten that God gave you everything. So remind yourself and then make every effort. And if you struggle, clearly again, you have forgotten. So go back to the beginning and remind yourself that God gave you everything. And then make every effort. And the moment it gets hard, remind yourself again that God gave you everything. In you is everything needed for a life in godliness. This is not a trick. It's Christianity 101. So, can we get practical? 
Okay. I want you to turn to the person next to you. Guys with guys, girls with girls. And I want you to spend the next 10 minutes and have this conversation. What does every effort mean to your life? What does every effort... And, and here's what I want to ask you. Here's what I want to ask you. <clears throat> Don't be fluffy. If, if, if every effort means for you that you're going to call your boyfriend back home and break up with him, you better do it. <clears throat> if, if, if every effort means that um, you're going to delete... Can I get your attention quickly? If every effort means that you're going to delete your social media, just do it right now. But I want you to spend some time, just maybe spend 30 seconds, just pray, God, what does every effort mean? And then you quickly take the next few minutes and help each other get to every effort. If you're married, you can be with your husband and your wife, of course. But I just, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. And I, kind of, I want you to be serious in this. I want you to write it down. I want you to go after this because you can't hear all this and do nothing. That's how you breed religiosity. We're not raising up Pharisees. Okay, we're raising up disciples. And disciples do what? Obey. What is the goal of discipleship? Go into all the world, teach them everything, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Not to understand everything, to do it. We good? Lord, we love you. Father, I ask for every single one of my friends here that you would speak to them and show them what does every effort mean in this season of their lives? Maybe some of them need to write letters home to ask their parents for forgiveness or to forgive people. What does every effort look like? Holy Spirit, we ask, would you please speak to us? We don't want to do this by ourselves. Help us to do this with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So 10 minutes, I'm going to give you guys till 12. If you're done with this, pray for each other, prophesy, I don't care. Just don't make it a chat fest. Okay, let's spend, some, let's spend the next 10 minutes and go hard after this. Hey. Let's wrap it up. It is 12. <clears throat> okay. Can I maybe... For who was this helpful? Come on, I would encourage you. When you guys have small groups? Next week? Okay. Text in your small group WhatsApp or iMessage or whatever group you have. Just if you're gender specific. Um, whatever that every effort is. Keep each other accountable. It's so important we learn how to do that. Okay, so I just want to say this. I usually do this in five days. So, um, I'm going to freaking blitz something right now. That's usually a whole day. I'm going to blitz a whole day in 30 minutes. Okay? <clears throat> Help me, Lord. Amen. Okay, so um, 1 Corinthians 9. Can we go there? Okay, 1 Corinthians 9. And um, so kind of here's the progression of our time together. Okay, first day, the beauty of holiness. Our understanding that God has called us to live a beautiful holy life yesterday this tendency that we have as human beings to curve into ourselves the nature of sin is incrivatus this love of self but then jesus came and he showed us what does it look like to live from the love of the father and then today speaking about just how holiness is to being separated onto god and how god gave us everything in our life and godliness 
and that making every effort goes alongside with knowing what Jesus done on the cross. Okay, that's kind of like the last three days right there. Boom. Now here's a question. How much are you allowed to give? What, what, what is the intensity of every effort? Have you ever thought about that? Has anybody ever thought about that? Right? What intensity? When am I too intense? Right? I get, in, I, I get accused of that a lot. Gabe, you're so intense. It's such an interesting thing to tell somebody. Yeah, what are you trying to tell me? It's like, it's such a weird thing. What are you trying to say? How should I respond toward you telling me I'm intense? Thank you. You're meek and lukewarm. Right? Like, I, there's, honestly, it's a hard thing to figure out how to respond to. I'm not, I'm, who here, honestly, don't, don't just raise your hand because it's a nice thing. Who here has been legitimately been accused of being super intense? Have you ever felt loved when somebody does that? Me neither. I've never felt it's good. I, I've, I've always like, what do you want? What are you trying to say? Um, and so I had this encounter as, uh, a few years ago in Malaysia with the Fire Fragrance leadership team. And it's this vision I had. It was, it was so vivid. It was, it was actually a crazy encounter. It was an island, and this island was Fire and Fragrance. And there was these watchtowers that God raised up across Fire and Fragrance, and on them was written the fear of the Lord. And there was this darkness trying to come to the island, and there, there was these watchmen standing on these watchtowers, declaring the fear of the Lord, shining light into the darkness. And all of a sudden, people started crowding around these towers and saying, you're too intense. You should calm down. Stop being so intense. And all of a sudden, these watchmen, one by one, they put off their lights. And God broke into this encounter and he spoke and he said, I raised up the watchtower so no man can break them down except the man that's called to do the job. And I feel like there's sometimes such an, an assignment against people who is a God-given gift towards intensity. That can you please just stop being yourself? You're making me uncomfortable. Imagine the damage I would do to somebody who's meeker if I tell them, you're so meek, you're boring, can you please stop? Like, you, nobody would think that's a good thing, right? Why is there permission to tell people who are given by God to be intense to stop being themselves? It's demonic, so just don't take it, okay? So, there's a question that comes then, how much is too much and how much are we allowed to give? And um, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul does something very interesting. He gives you how much you can give towards your intensity for godliness. And I warn you, <clears throat> if you don't want to change or be convicted, you could leave now. Because you can't unhear what I'm about to read. This is not even my opinion. This is the Bible. Okay? So I'm going to give you a few seconds. I'm going to take a sip of water. And I won't judge you. Don't worry. Okay, so, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 9. Corinth was a city in Greek, in Greece, that... Um, where, is where the Olympic Games were held. So he writes here about athletes because people in that city always saw athletes train. They knew what it meant. Same as when we spoke about um, the armor of Christ, you remember? He uses these images because people see them all day so it can help them remember the truth. So it goes on in 1 Corinthians 9.24 and says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? He says then, so run 
that you might obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it, do it to receive a perishable wreath or crown, but we the imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box in the air as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. That is a potent piece of scripture right there. So let's dive into it. <clears throat> Here, Paul speaks to these people and he uses Olympic athletes and their zeal as the standard that God has for godliness. Now, when I played rugby, I told you guys I used to be way bigger and stronger. When I started playing professional, the coaches, our conditioning coach, had all the skinny guys always train with me. The guys that need to gain weight. The reason why they did that is not because I was a better conditioning coach or that I was a better dietitian because we had dietitian and conditioning coaches. The reason they had them train with me is because I used to be skinny and I'm not anymore. Right? And they knew I knew the price of gaining weight. Do you know what's the funniest things? That a lot of guys talked that like want to be big, but they couldn't eat themselves till they're nauseous. They were not, they were not willing to pay the price for being a pro athlete. Right? They're like, I'm this small town, good guy. I want to be a pro. And then I go like, okay, great. You're going to eat eight meals a day. You're going to eat these amount of calories. But I'm full. That's okay. I thought you said you want to be a pro. Yeah, but I can't eat. Yeah, you can. You just don't want to eat. Right? What you want to do and you can do are two different things. Like people saying that I love God. I just can't get time to spend with Him. Yeah. Susanna Wesley had 11 kids and put her apron over her head. It's time to spend time with God. Don't tell me you don't have time. You don't want time. Okay, have and want are two different things. And so I realized that in my sporting career, that you get interesting types of people. You get people that are willing to do everything and they actually mean it. And people that can know how to talk to talk to say that what they want, but they're not willing to pay the price. And the second group of people always blame the first group of people. Right, well, they had advantage. They have privilege. No, they don't have privilege. They have the same things you have. They have a body. They have two legs. They have two arms. But they chose to do something. My dad is one of six kids. He has two brothers as alcoholics and threw away their lives because their father was an alcoholic. And my dad and his older brother are two very successful, God-fearing, loving men who don't touch alcohol. Do you know the difference between those four men? Choice. The only thing that's different. They had the same father, same mother, same way they grew up. And so many times, choice is the thing. So Paul here is going to give a standard. And he says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Say all. So he says, everybody runs. But only one receives the price. Run that you might obtain it. What is he saying? Participation is not enough. Just because you prayed a prayer does not mean you're getting the prize. Just because God gave you everything for a life and godliness doesn't mean you're going to obtain everything in a life and godliness. There is your active participation. There is making every effort to gain the thing that was given to you. To actually work out your salvation. I promise you. 
that there is a zeal required to participate in the gift that was freely given. He says here, run that you might obtain it. It's nonsense that everybody gets a prize. Not everybody gets a prize in the real world, guys. I'm sorry. I know in kindergarten you all got a sticker. The real world doesn't work like that. Right? It teaches you such bad habits. And you're lying. Okay? Kind of seems like Paul says the same thing. It's not my idea and it's also not Western culture. Kind of seems like the Bible says the same thing. Verse 25 says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Now I want to ask you, how much self-control does an Olympic athlete have? Kind of a lot, right? From the age of 16 till 22, I didn't eat sugar once. Unless it was accidentally in food, but I never chose sugar. I just didn't want to. I was 16 years old. I was sitting outside of the tuck shop at the school. What do you guys call that? Cafeteria. And, um, and I went like, man, all my friends that also want to be pro athletes eat junk. And I went like this. I'm never going to eat junk again because I'm going to get a 1% advantage. Stop. Boom. Let's go. I had a price. I just stopped. 14 years old, wake up at 5 a.m., run to the gym. Then I went drive there, ran to the gym. Okay, went into the gym, did weights, jumped on a treadmill, ran, ran back home. Okay, why? Because I made a choice to have self-control in all things. Do you know my prize was useless? It's, I've had four shoulder surgeries, hip surgery, knee surgery, ankle, nose, hand. My prize has been pain. But it says here, an athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable crown. And then Paul flips it to us and he says, but we, the imperishable. He says, an athlete exercises so much self-control and everything they gain means nothing. How much more if you get something that nothing can take away from you? How much more self-control would you have if you understand that the eternal gift that you receive cannot be taken away? How zealous will you be how far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? And God says, how bad as you want it, I'll let you go. How far do you want to go? How intense do you want to be? God is asking that question of you. What do you want? And Paul goes on and then he says, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. That after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He says, I do not aim at nothing. Now my question is here, what the heck is he aiming at? If he's not aiming at nothing, what's he aiming at? That is a great question. Okay, do you know why? Because I remember this, 14, 15 years old, running to the gym, doing my session, and then I'm doing these sprints on the treadmill. On the second floor of the gym, there's two treadmills. The left one never worked, the right one worked. Right? And I would run, and I would visualize green and gold Springboard jersey in front of me. 14 years old, and I would just run. 
and I'll just run. And I don't care how tired I am, how bored I am. Boredom is the thing that gets you, not tiredness. And I'm bored. And I say, I want to freaking get that thing. I don't care. You know, I've never bought a Springbok rugby jersey. I won't. Why? Because it was, it, it's not something you buy. It's something you earn. Do you know what's funny? Do you want to hear the mercy of God? The week before I leave Kona. Do you guys know Uncle Ben? Ben and Noah? Uncle Ben speaks on what does it mean to be a son in the house. And he has me kind of be his prop for the day. Whew. He doesn't know any of this. And after I'm done being his prop on this Thursday night, he calls me over. I stand next to him. And he takes this um, bag out and he takes out a, a, a Springbok jersey. He says, Gabe, God said I should give this to you. It's oversized because you'll grow into it. and You don't have to deserve it. He gives it to you. He never, I almost literally had a freaking heart attack. <laughs> Think about the intentionality of God. He never knew that I was 14, 15 year old on a treadmill visioning that thing. Saying I will never buy it. Michelle's dad gave me a, a springboard jersey and gave it away. I said I won't get it. That one I kept. It's important that we understand that radical discipline requires vision. You have to have a vision of something. Vision, you should write this down, gives pain purpose. Vision gives pain purpose. Because the pain of godliness in your life will primarily be boredom. Not tiredness. I promise you. But what was Paul's vision? Go to 1 Corinthians 3. Here again, Paul talks about there's different standards. And I could take a week teaching you guys on God is not afraid of competitiveness. <laughs> God is not afraid of standards. He has different levels to things. Because God awards those who respond rightly. He made us that way. How, why would Jesus say to the centurion, I have not seen any faith greater than this. If even tiny faith counted, why would Jesus say that one is greater than anything I've seen? There is scale in the kingdom. There is different standards in the kingdom. And one of the biggest things that's been done to your generation is telling you everything is the same. Everything is not the same. If somebody gives 4,000% effort, it's not the same as giving 10% effort. God rewards those things. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. According to the grace given to me. Say grace. To who is this grace given? To Paul. According to the grace given. Say according. So does it, he didn't talk about the grace given to Gabriel. He spoke according to the grace given to Paul. I build like a master skilled builder. Now do you hear? He did not say that I built like a lousy builder. I built, didn't build like a novice builder. I built like a master skilled builder. 
There was grace given to Paul in proportion to the ability to become a master skilled builder. Now if I would ask you, according to the grace given to you, how are you building? How are you building? What are you doing with grace given to you? The portion that God has allotted to your life, what are you doing? Because just standing at the blocks, just running the race is not enough. Paul writes here and says, all the runners run. Great job. Guess what? It's not enough. Run to obtain the prize. What is that prize? That should be, as you're sitting here, you shouldn't go like, Gabe, that's intense. That should not be the question. You should go like, what the heck is the prize? What the heck is the aim? Right? Because otherwise, I don't know what you're talking about, Gabe. Otherwise, you're producing in me works. If I don't know what the aim is, if I don't know what the prize is, you're going to produce legalism in me. Just tell me what that thing is so I know what I'm aiming at. That should be tearing you up on the inside right now. He goes on and he says, Like a skilled master builder, I laid the foundation. Someone else built upon it. See Paul's sneaky ways again. Let each one take cares on how he builds. So he talks about himself, the same as about the athlete, and then he flips it back to you. He says, hey, I'm the master skilled builder. Now you need to take care. He says that to me and to you. All of us needs to take care. Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, which means nobody can add to your salvation. You're saved, and that's the story, but there's more than just your salvation. Everybody with me? Okay, there's 11 minutes. Can you be like checked in for 11 minutes? I need 11 minutes. Okay, I'm going to need all your brain power for 11 minutes. So Jesus is the foundation. Your salvation, like I said in the previous one in 2 Peter, right? You've been given everything. So that's laid. That foundation is there. Now add to your faith. So that is there. Jesus is there. Now add, now run, now build. Those are all things that you do in response to what has been done to you. There is something required beyond Jesus is Lord. There's something required beyond I am born again. It is do I run, do I build, do I make every effort? How much would you let me give? Verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Say day. In most of your Bibles, that day will be a capital D. That is the great end of the age. That is when you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of your life. And he says this, because it will be revealed by fire. And fire will test what sort of work each one has done. God doesn't care if you just run in the race. Everybody runs. God doesn't care if you build. Everybody builds. But what sort of work have you done? 
How have you ran? Carlos, the beauty of holiness is not just doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing rightly in such a way that it is beautiful. Holiness is not just getting to the end of the road. It's doing it in such a way that is beautiful. But still, we do not know what is Paul aiming at. None of you are asking me that because I've not explained it yet. He says, each one of you, and the fire will test what sort each one of you, each one of you has done. If the work that anybody has done, but has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Paul is saying that what he's aiming at is a reward. Paul is saying what he's building for is a reward. Now, this is phenomenal. He is not saying that he's doing it to go to heaven. That's a given. He says, even if your work is destroyed by fire, you will be saved. Even if God says, well done, but your life was wasted, you can come in. Now, I'm telling you, my greatest fear is the fear of regret. I don't want to come at the end of the age. And God goes like, Gabe, you can go in, but your life was wasted. I don't want to waste my life in mediocrity. I don't want to waste my life jogging. God's called me to be Usain Bolt. I don't want to spend my life building mud huts when I was meant to build Manhattan. I don't want to come at the end of the age and go like there's mud underneath my nails. And God said, Gabe, you're meant to sit in an architect's office. What have you done? You can come in, but you wasted it. My son is the foundation of your life. What have you done? Now I'm telling you, he will let you in because he loves you. But you've still not asked me what's the reward. Nobody has asked me what's the reward. You got it well done. <laughs> now I have a friend, I don't know if you know him. His name is Philip Ward. Do any of you know Phil? Okay. She's, she's Amy, he's Amy's um, bearded Alaskan man, right? Now, my friend Phil had a, had a dream, and yeah, more than a dream. And he had this encounter. And in this encounter, he woke up one day in this white room. And in this white room, an angel stood before him. This angel had this box. This box was like vibrating. The angel opened up the box and glory came out of it. And it was shining. And he, he struggled to look. It was so beautiful. And the angel put the box on. He took out and there was a crown in his hand. And this crown had all these emeralds, rubies, diamonds, all these beautiful things. And on them was written the good deeds that he has done in his life. And, and the angel's pushing it towards full and full. Is pushing. He's like, you can't put that on me. That's too holy. It's I can take that. And the angel is frustrated with Phil and he says, Phil, take it. It's yours. And he pushes it back and, and he doesn't want to take it. And the angel places it on Philip's head. The moment the angel places it on his head, angel is gone. And all of a sudden, this door cracks and he looks up. And as far as he can see, this little crack comes in the door. There's a light shines through and it opens up. And Philip 
steps in and all of a sudden he sees Jesus on the throne. And the first thing Paul could do is grab this holy thing and throw it at his feet. And he fell down and he scurried back to see if there's anything else. And there was nothing else to give him. And he wept because he wished he could give him more. The reward that Paul is aiming at is that he would have a freaking semi-truck full of good deeds provoked by love to dump at the feet of Jesus at the end of the age. The beauty of holiness is not that the world is drawn to him. But as my heart so responds to love at the end of the age, that when I see that beautiful man, because I hear everything, thank you, thank you. My cousin didn't want it, I took his as well. My auntie didn't want it, my mother didn't want it. Just I just took everything. I built according to everything. Look, thank you, Jesus. Paul aimed at a life so given to love. That Jesus could be lavished with the rewards of his suffering and my response to love. And today when I end this off, my call to you to a life and holiness is to build according to the grace. Is to run as to win the race. Is to make every effort to add to the gift given to you so that at the end of the age... When you step through the fire and into that throne room, you look into those burning eyes. You can say, Jesus, thank you. This is how I responded to love. Thank you. That your life will not be saved by fire. But it will be judged and you can go like, I love you. And my love looked like something. My love looked like a tribe at Oman worshiping the first time. My love looked like people in Siberia in the frozen north singing for the first time. My love looked like all these homeless people finding a father for the first time. My love looked like raising my kids like a skilled master builder. My love looked like being an investment banker like an Olympic runner. My love looked like being in the military, like one who's given their life and made every effort to live in godliness. Father, I have done everything because I love you. I want to end us off in this in my encouragement, my, 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 my thrust to you is work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have been given everything for a life and godliness. You cannot be moved because you have faith. You cannot be victimized because you're a son and a daughter. And Jesus paid it all. So we can have the opportunity to give him our all. Freaking be too intense and offend the world in it. But let the beauty of holiness come out of this school. Let your lives be a testimony of what God has done. Stand up. Let me pray for us.
Put your hand on your heart. Just where you are right now, just, just do some business with Jesus. Just ask Him, Lord, help me. I feel like some of you, just keep your eyes closed. You know you've been called to be a theologian or to give yourself to the study of the Word. And you've asked, man, I don't know if I can work that hard. I, I don't know if I can sit, sit down that, that long. And I just feel like he's saying, hey, look at the price. Some of you have called to the nations and you're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm feeling today saying, look at the price. Some of you are called to break up with a girlfriend or boyfriend or just end certain friendships, even friendships you might have here. And like, man, I don't know. And he said, please, just look at the price. I even just feel some of the staff that's in the school. God is asking you, forget about the machine. Look at the price. Look at me. Am I not worth it? Father, I ask today as I end this off before Thanksgiving, that our lives will become Thanksgiving. That our lives will be a continual burning. Continual burning in the directions that we would build like master skilled builders. According to the grace given to us. Not somebody else's, not their standard, not their race, not their effort. God, but I ask that the grace given to every person, the race given to every person, the ability to make effort given to every individual, that you would awaken their hearts to burn for you. I declare that you have permission to be stupid in your devotion. You have permission to be intense, to be as given as an Olympic athlete, to become the skilled master builders. You have permission to grow and to be the beauty of holiness. Father, I ask that you impart a zeal for the fear of the Lord, a zeal for your beauty, a zeal to live holy, so at the end of that age, they can throw at your feet the reward if you're suffering. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more on holiness in Jesus, stay right here on the Fire and Fragrance podcast.